Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM 90 and is recorded at AC's Washington Street campus. Oh, I think it could have been a good story. Yeah. Is it a worldwide phenomenon where there are theme parks? I'm not so sure. How much fun is it to go to a theme park of a regular neighborhood? <laughs> it's all right if Mr. Rogers is there. <laughs> you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Hillary Holsey, and today we are talking about fantasy and all of the things that encompass fantasy. So before we get started, I'd like to introduce each of our guests or have them introduce themselves rather. So why don't we start over here with you? Uh, I'm Andy Parlow. I teach ESL here in Amarillo, Texas at Tascosa High School, and I am a reading warrior, I guess is what I, how I describe myself. Warrior? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I'm Richard McGowan. I'm the librarian at Tascosa High School, and I wish I was still a reading warrior. I think uh, I, my reading might have fallen off a little bit. Maybe I'm not at the warrior level. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're still a warrior. It's What an appropriate term for fantasy or, you know, depending on, I guess, what we'll, we'll discuss. Um, <laughs> okay, so, well, part of the reason I asked you specifically to be on this is that Richard was my teacher when I was eight years old, um, and <laughs> he got me into fantasy books. I had not really read a lot of that, surprisingly. I was more into like children's mysteries and stuff like that. So in his class, he was my math teacher, oddly, not a librarian or English teacher. Um, he got him to read. Yes, he, he got me to read things like Harry Potter and, you know, other things like that. So I thought you would be a great guest. And, you know, Andy's been you both were on the, the podcast earlier in the season um, from the Winter Circle. So if you haven't Definitely. checked that out, you guys need to go um, listen to that, too. So I want to start with a very baseline question about fantasy. What would you consider to be the main characteristics of fantasy? And to come off of that, how does it differ from something like sci-fi? Or does it is it hybrid? I mean, that's like a great debate, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. yes. It's kind of a hard question, I think, when you talk about the baseline of what is exactly fantasy. I think it can encompass a lot, but there are some basic things. Whether you're talking about fantasy sagas like Game of Thrones, which doesn't have a lot of fantastical things about it other than you know uh, some some magic but a, a major part of the story is not any part of magic it's war and uh, politics to other kinds of stories that like urban fantasy nowadays which not my major cup of tea but those are a very different style of story than you might have grown up reading fantasy I don't know what do you think Andy I know when I teach my kids just to make it simple, I always tell them that sci-fi is anything that could actually potentially ever happen in the future. So the idea of like teleportation or, you know, any of these weird gadgets and gizmos that people run around with or even to, you know, these these books that all are in that same vein of like the end of the world, apocalyptic type stuff. So that's what fits in my my view as sci-fi. Fantasy to me is stuff that I would see as never being actually possible, like dragons, wizards, magic, flying, stuff like that. So that's what I always teach my kids, and that's just the easiest way to 
put a line there. I, I kind of think magic is where I, when that steps in. But I guess there could be like dreamlike sequences. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That is fantasy as well. Thinking of like the Wizard of Oz or something like that. I don't know. I can think of some things like in Star Wars and Star Trek that seem right. pretty magical. Yep. And I would certainly classify those as straight sci-fi. But I mean, I actually think that's a pretty good dividing line. So what are the major fantasy books that you feel like people should read or that who haven't read a lot of fantasy? Boy, I'll take this one. I, I kind of think for me, recently, fantasy has been ruined a little bit with the, the ending of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time saga. This is my favorite all-time book now, a series of books, I think. That's that's hard. When you ask me, it just depends on the day of the week what I'm going to say my favorite is. But I like the, the book so much that my wife and I were going to name our son Rand. And the only reason we didn't was because a family member strongly objected. And so we, we changed it. But uh, those were so good that I think that's a good starting spot. I think there are some problems with the series. I think it's bloated. Who can blame Robert Jordan when you're selling hundreds of millions of novels and his publishers are saying, let's stretch it out? Anyone would say yes. But if you can get past the, the very middle of the series, it's, it's one of the best I've ever read. How long is the series? Oh, my goodness. If you hadn't asked me, I might have been able to tell you, I think, it's 13 big. books. I'm wow. looking at it right Are here. Are you right now? It's, yeah, there's a bunch of them. There, it's, a, it's a lot. Uh, he died during the writing of the series. And so another author, Brandon Sanderson, finishes the last three books. That's why I think it might be 13. 13. It's like set five is what this says, but it doesn't uh, say how many are in it. So what is the permissive? Uh, in this series, it is there has been a cataclysmic event at the very start of the book. And I always tell everyone that reads it, if, just trust me, read the introduction. You're not going to know what's going on. It's boring. You're going to think it's horrible. Get into the story. Uh, and in this, this um, event that happens, magic is soured for the male half of the population. And any male that tries to use magic goes mad. But women can still use magic, and they use it, and they become very powerful. Uh, There's a prophecy that a man will come along that is able to use the magic and save the world. He is the dragon, uh, is the prophecy. And it is the whole series is about the man who is the dragon and whether he is indeed able to save the world or not. Spectacular. I really love this series. So that that would be your vote. What about you, Andy? Man, I got to go Philip Pullman. Yeah, um... The Golden Compass is Dark Materials series. That thing is, I don't think it gets enough credit for being as great as it really is. And and I do realize that it can really make, I think some Christians get really upset with it because it does deal with the whole idea of angels and demons and things like that. But that world that that man created in those books is is pretty brilliant. And you can't let that stupid movie that they made like ruin it for you i'm really hoping the series that they're coming out with i think it's on hbo is going to be really 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 good so yeah i heard that the the film was a flop so film I, was I, awful. I didn't really ever go further into like Don't, oh i want to read that no. so yeah I yeah that that film was an atrocity what is the premise of the golden compass <clears throat> so in those books i mean in the first book especially you're introduced to the idea of um people having familiars and and so you have an animal that embodies your spirit and that is with you all the time and and uh, your main character is lyra and she's she's friends with her familiar like they're really close 
things start to happen. Like, I don't want to give away a whole lot of it, but things start to happen. They end up in the north. Um, she befriends a bear. Like, But what's happening is you have some dark stuff going on where people are trying to separate people from their familiars and see what happens. And so... And you really, as you read the rest of the series, you start to see that there's infighting in a lot of different structures, and and it's just it's just a really cool idea. Like the sub the subtle knife, you start to be introduced into the idea that there's a knife that can pierce reality, and you can like move around between realities. And that I mean, it's just it's really cool. That does sound cool. Like, we give J.K. Rowling so much credit for this world that she created in Harry Potter, but. I don't think that we really look sometimes at some of the other really brilliant stuff that's happened in the fantasy world. As far as building story worlds, because I do think that's a huge part of <laughs> fantasy is that, you know, once you get into it, you can go really deep into the, you know, the yeah. weeds there with story worlds. So what makes something like Harry Potter, you know, that much more appealing to people than something like, you know, what you or Richard suggested? Mm. Why do you think it has that kind of appeal well it was instantly popular i guess people wanted something like that at that time I don't, I don't you know, know. I, I don't think it's as was as instantly popular as people think i it was popular but i it was not harry potter level popular at first yeah it took three the third book yeah. before it reached that level well that's the best uh, book and so it is. <laughs> i agree oh boy i don't know i don't know about that I like half blood prints too. Oh, I really love the half blood prints. I really love. We need to do a survey, like just a big survey. I don't know. Y'all should do that. What is the best Harry Potter book? What's the best Harry Potter book? I don't know because I I just go between the two, so I don't know. I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts on that. I I got lost. What was the question? The question was like, what what you know? I know the Wheel of Time is very popular, as is the Golden Compass, but I don't think it's Harry Potter no level popularity. So, I mean. It's a, it's a cult following, right? It I mean, is. yeah. So why do you think that Harry was more appealing than, you know, the others? I think it's age levels. Well, and you know, I was actually thinking this while you were answering your question. Yeah. Part of my answer may change about what I think I might recommend to people because I think The Will of Time is an excellent series if you are an established reader. It is so long and so big. I just looked it up. It's 14 novels plus a prequel. Uh, <laughs> It is so long that I don't know that that's where you throw someone into the fantasy deep end. Mm -hmm. I think you get them started with maybe something like C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Mm -hmm. Narnia. I think I read that in Hillary's class, one of the the books. I think that that kind of book is very similar to Harry Potter. I think kids could relate to it. And she didn't just write to kids, though. And I think that was what was so appealing about these books. She wrote it on a level where it could appeal to kids, but it had very deep themes that adults could enjoy as well. And I think that's a large part of the popularity is that she didn't dumb the book down. While it may have been intended for children, it is there's some pretty sophisticated storytelling lines going on in all of those books well i mean if you look at forget the guy's name he wrote like the quintessential research guide on fairy tales and kids and and i remember like when i wrote my thesis i had to read a few of his books because i did my thesis on a series of unfortunate events and what i thought was happening and this is what i still think happens i think kids appreciate when kids are thrown into adult situations and have to find their own way out. 
without a whole lot of outside intervention, without a whole lot of outside adult help, when that kid has to rely on their own skill set and their own knowledge and then find their own way out. And I think that something about that really appeals to children when they read something. But I think that also appeals to adults to remind them that kids can do it. Like kids can be autonomous and it's okay. Like That's true of Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. as well. Yes. I mean, kids being thrown in those situations. I'm, I've been trying to go through my head different yeah. series that, <laughs> that have kids at the fore of the, the narrative. But speaking of Chronicles of Narnia yeah. and, and lengthy, <laughs> I mean, you think fantasy, it's very seldom, at least for me, one book. It's it's often a series. Do you think that that's intimidating? I mean, how do you know when you're going to like dive into, I'm going to go read 14 books by Wheel of Time. Or what was the author? Uh, Robert Jordan. Yes. Like, how do Man, you how do you get in that mindset? Or do true. you? I can't. I think it's really intimidating. And that's that's hard as a librarian. When I have kids that come in and say, man, I've never read anything. I, I don't like to read. I can't put a 14 series book, um, 14 series <laughs> collection of books in front of me and say, well, start here. Okay. No. And often you're right. I think that fantasy books are rarely standalone novels. Even when you have one that could be, they tend to drag them out into future books. So I, I think that isn't, I'm sitting here trying to think. I am too. Is there anything I've read that's just a single standalone fantasy? fantasy? Book. I, I don't. I'm sure there is. But there's nothing that comes to mind. And it's so, not. I mean, because I keep thinking at Twilight, Wizard oh. of Oz, all of that, though. I mean, but you can you can smirk. Twilight <laughs> sucks. We've established this Rings. here before. Yeah. <laughs> Lord yes. of the Rings. Yes. And even, like, I was going to recommend there's this one that's that came out a year, a year and a half ago, I think, that um, Children of Blood and Bone. But there's she's making that into a series. So, yeah. The there's sequel. a sequel yeah. out already, I believe. I can't, I can't remember her name, but yes, there's a sequel. I think of one. It, it's that. I think it has to do with building a story world because it's hard to can like. You don't really want to pick up an 800 page book. It's yeah. a lot easier to digest when there's perhaps 14 where you can put it away and come back to it and say, okay, well, I'll read the second book later. I, I do think there's a lot to that because I know sometimes when I read really lengthy series, I do need a break. I need yeah. to read something. Yeah, but then I just blew back through all of Charlene Harris's Sookie Stackhouse books, like they were, you know, air. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when I was in Richard's class, I he read well, he read it to us in the appropriate order. I remember him really emphasizing that we started with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right. Then we went back, or we went Magician's Nephew, Magician's where it nephew, was yeah. second. I, I just I'm firmly. In the camp that it, it was wrong to reorder them, they were not supposed to be that way. But I do think we read Magician's Nephew first. If you look at the new order now, it starts. I think in I mean it goes in chronological order, and it starts with Magician's Nephew. Yes, I, I, because I read them in a different order. My my preferred way to do it is that way. But it probably makes most sense to read the series the way it is set up now but i can't yeah. i don't i read it the same way that you taught me thank so, you yeah, thank you yes i think if of I, you every time if i taught you nothing else i'm glad that's the one thing you learned yes and well uh, i do remember reading that in your class and you didn't have all of the books at first and we were all competing against each other to we would check it out of his because you had your own personal library mm-hmm. in your your mm-hmm. classroom that so we would check it out from him and i was competing with one of my classmates and so I do think there's like a 
binging style of reading a series too. Um, and I, I hate to relate this to something like Netflix, but we <laughs> it is there. We're into long form narratives now. So you would think now is the time for fantasy and maybe it is because of like Game of Thrones and things like that. So with a, I guess what I'm trying to get at is in a time like now where everything is instant and you know mm-hmm. we want it now, what is to be said about this fascination with long form fantasy narratives? Why, why do you think people still like that or, or gravitate toward it? Well, I think like you said that you would be afraid to throw that 14 book series at a kid, but I don't really look at it that way. Like I think when I have a reluctant reader, if I know that that's something they're interested in, men throw that at them because you might totally build that reader from just that 14 books that you threw at them because they're by the time they're done reading 14 books, they've developed good reading habits. You know what I mean? Or they may hate you. And they may hate you. And then you got to find a different series. <laughs> My kids eat up Amulet. Like, I don't know if you've ever read Amulet. No, it's a graphic it? novel series. It's about elves and, and walking cities and all kinds of stuff. And I, I, I know what you're talking about when you talk about that. People were like fighting over the next book because it seems like everybody bottlenecked at number four. And I had kids that were actually going to other people's houses because they knew that they had the book and telling them, I need you to hurry up and finish with it because I need it. And then it happened again at number seven. And I actually had a kid go find a senior that graduated because she took my book seven <laughs> wow. and went and knocked on her door and was like, she needs this back. Like, That's so, cool, though. But they're eating it up. They love the series. So I don't know. I I know with me, I just, I like to go back into that world so much so that I love Harry Potter so much that then I picked up Rainbow Rowell's Carry On and now I'm just like, oh, I need like eight more of those. Like, cause that world is so close to the Harry Potter world, but so much more adult. And so it's, it's, and there's one coming out in September, but it's just not soon enough. Like, I don't know. I like to go back into those worlds. I mean, that's why I reread Harry Potter like every year, I think, and Lord of the Rings. Well, they're my favorites Mm -hmm. because of that very reason, because you know those people. But that also works against me, I think, because you so loved the Harry Potter world or Robert Jordan's Will of Time world that then when you read something else, and and frankly, I haven't (laughs) found anything that that measures up to those, that it's a disappointment because the world building and the character building is not as great. And when you do those long series, Mm -hmm. you know those people. It's not just someone you're reading. It is a friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is is someone that that you are deeply invested in. And I'm not going to give anything away, but in The Will of Time, a major character toward the end dies and i mean i'm telling you i was devastated Mm -hmm. i was devastated i i just wandered around the house in a fog for like 30 (laughs) minutes i I was devastated that it had happened that way and i think that only happens when you have those long books not that you can't love a character in a short book yeah i mean you can but when you really get to know them over the course of 14 years i mean actually i think the will of time took much longer because there was a bit of time between some of the a longer bit of time between some of the books and you're reading those for a, a large portion of time and so yeah. i think that it is that 
that makes fantasy so great. Well, and you can also get really irritated about, it's not just deaths. It's like relationships that fall apart. You know, like I still have not forgiven Charlene Harris for not putting Sookie with Eric. That really pisses <laughs> me off to like a whole nother level. Like that, he got her. That's what should have happened. And so even when I went into the last book, when I was rereading them recently, I was like, I hate this book. I don't want to read this book, but I'm going to finish it again. <laughs> I think you always have that book in the series that you're like, Uh, Prince Caspian. I'm like, I don't like that one at all. (laughs) I want to read Voyage of the Dawn Treader. That's my favorite one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. Lucy, I mean, come on. Reap a cheap. elements of fantasy are your favorite like do you like the magic do you like dragons do you like you know what about it appeals to you in that way that's a hard question (laughs) because i think it's all of all of the above i think it's just the combination of those things and just the way we were starting uh, magic is something that's probably never going to happen it's all of those things that you can read and you think what if this is awesome i wish and so uh I think it's all of those things. But as we've been sitting here reading, I've been thinking one of my favorite that I would probably classify as fantasy uh, has no dragons. I mean, there's just an unexplained magic. It's a kid's book. I love it so much that I wished I'd never read it so I could go back and read it again for the first time. (laughs) What is Uh, it? My dog is named after the main character. It is Savvy by Ingrid Law. And the main character is Mibs. Did you read it? No. Oh, it is. It's on my to-be-read list. (laughs) It's such a spectacular book, and you can hand it to elementary kids. You can hand it to high school kids. It's a gentle book is the way I would describe it. There's a second one, right? There's Well, kind of. And that's actually why I was thinking about this. It is a standalone novel. She wrote two other novels that have parts of that family in it, but Mibs is never the main character again. And so... It does not have dragons. It does not have anything like that. And I love it as much as the others. Everyone in my family's read it. That's why we named our dog Mibs. What is <laughs> what is the fantasy element of it? In this series, this family, the Beaumont family, at and I think the age is 13. I can't remember. Every member in the family receives a magical power. Just one. And you never know what it's going to be. It could be a random thing. Uh, for example, Mibs, Mibs's mother is perfect. Every single thing she does is perfect. If she destroys a cake, she does it perfectly. If she uh, (laughs) wants to paint a picture, she does it perfectly. One of her brothers uh, can create electricity with his finger. So he could, they, they drive the car. It's an electric car. They drive the car just using his finger and those kind of things. And the story takes place on the eve of Mibs's birthday. Uh, this won't ruin anything because it's the very start of the book. Uh, she's getting ready for her birthday party, and uh, her father is in a major car wreck, and he's in, in critical condition. And so she goes to sleep wishing that she would get a savvy that could save her dad. And when she wakes up, she can't figure out what her savvy is. She walks downstairs, and her brother has a turtle that is dead, and they've just kept it in the aquarium for or terrarium, whatever, uh, for months. And she walks past, and the turtle turns over and is brought oh. to life. And so she 
believes that her savvy is to bring things back that should not uh, be where they are and it is her journey to save her dad it is a spectacular book it is it's got a little bit of a love story in it uh but a gentle love story it is it's i can't recommend it enough I guess, I don't know why I haven't ever thought of this, but I guess superhero narratives, I mean, those are typically in comic books and graphic novels and things like that. Can you classify that in, and I mean that only because you're talking about superpowers in that. Does, I never think of that a lot like, oh, I love fantasy. I like Superman. It's, I love Frodo in like, you know. Because I mean, what do they really classify? Do they classify those as fantasy? Like you're a librarian. Where do they, (laughs) where do you put those? I don't know. Seven, I know you had a Batman 1. book. 5. You yeah. had a Batman book in fiction. Well, we have a lot of. If they're written that way, yeah. they would just be put in fiction. But hmm. uh, the graphic novels would, of course, be with other. Gra- I don't know how you did that. That's actually a pretty good question, Hillary. It's not something I've thought of. But you know what? I I love Batman, and so mm-hmm. I wonder if that's that's why because it is it has those fantastical elements about it i'm not sure i don't know that's a good question where does that go and do i mean because i don't see anybody waking up tomorrow with laser vision but at the same time i mean isn't that the whole idea of x-men is that just out of nowhere one day people genetically change that's a possibility but then would it be sci-fi? That's, I, I would just yeah, see, say, yeah. that's your definition that's what I'm of sci-fi. That should yeah. go into sci-fi. And it's... I also think superhero narratives have a lot more, maybe more of an outward way of showing corruption yeah. and political underpinnings and things like that. Whereas fantasy does have that, but I don't know if they do it as... I don't know. No, I, I can't say that. See, and when, when you asked that earlier, like what brings you to a fantasy book, I think it's so weird because my criteria is not that it's a fantasy book. I think as long as, I guess what I really look for when I read is that you have well-developed characters and good relationships. And like, I mean, if we're talking about Harry Potter, I mean, that's quintessentially why Harry Potter works, right? Yes. I mean, you have these really beautiful relationships. You have love, you have loss, you have grief, and you have happiness. And and hope and and desperation and i and i think out of every fantasy series i can think of that i've ever been dedicated to it's the same thing if you strip away all the fantastical elements of harry potter though it's not the hit that it is kids do not flock to it i do not believe they do not flock to it without that in there maybe they want chocolate frogs and butterbeer and (laughs) well i want chocolate frogs and butterbeer but they're not real I don't know. I just think that that's something. I mean, the relationships that he builds, like with McGonagall and Hagrid and stuff like that. I don't know. It could work. I mean. Oh, I think it could have been a good story. Is it a worldwide phenomenon where there are theme parks? I'm not so sure. How much fun is it to go to a theme park of a regular neighborhood? (laughs) It's all right if Mr. Rogers is there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful day. (laughs) Let's talk about adaptation here for a moment. I mean, do you guys like to watch adaptations of fantasy novels? And where does it fall short? Because the example that I always give where I got real mad was... Half-Blood Prince. 
That is my least favorite movie of the whole Harry Potter series because it really overemphasizes to me the love stories, like the teenage love drama. Mm. And they completely leave out like Voldemort's family bloodline and Horcruxes to yeah, the point true. that we get to the seventh movie where my mom has never seen these, like read them. She's like, what's a Horcrux? And I'm like, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I'm going to say something that will probably shock y'all. I've not watched other than the first two movies. And to be honest, I, I love the book so much that when I went to see the first movie, and the first movie follows the book, I mean, really well. almost exactly, that I was sitting there going, okay, this is awesome. And the second one came out, and it was fairly similar. And so I was just like, I've seen the movies in my head when I read the books. Why do I need to go sit in a... Uh, in a cinema to watch it and so i have not watched the other ones i can't i can't address that but i will tell you this there is a a great series of books that i read by terry goodkind i I can't even remember the name of the series no i can't remember and they did a (laughs) adaptation and it was this should tell you everything you need to know it was like on the far reaches of cable and when you watched it you were like oh dear god what have i done why did I sit down to watch this? I didn't even make it through one episode. Like your so IQ dropped I, like 500 uh, points. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. And that's what kind of scares me about The Wheel of Time because it was so popular that there are lots of talks to put it in uh, production to make a series or a movie. And I'm worried that they will ruin it because you see that happen like with Stephen King's and here we go with a fantasy story, The Dark Tower. No. The Dark Tower mo- <laughs> I mean, really, the Dark quiet. Tower movie. <laughs> I didn't like that book. Oh at all. yeah, I know <laughs> the first one. You can tell he wrote the first one. It was one of the first books he ever wrote. Uh, I, I used to know the the date he wrote it. And you can tell he is not as polished of an author. By the time you get to the end, you're fully invested. You love these people. I read sixty pages, and I didn't love anybody. So <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> I don't think I loved anyone after the first book either. But by the time you get to to book seven, man, you're rooting for Roland. You want him to to do, do you the think right it was thing. Cast wrong? Do you think that was part of it? I think it's a whole comedy of errors. I, I don't okay. know. Because I was wondering. Because I thought, oh, I'll watch the movie because Idris Elba. Yeah, and then I watched it and I was like, well, that's okay. And I thought I'll read the book. And I just could not, not even, because sometimes what I'll do is I'll watch an adaptation of something and then they get the character or one or two characters really right. And I'm like, oh, great. And then when I read it again, that's all I see in my head is Is that that character, which is what happened with like Skarsgård with the Sookie Stackhouse books. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh man, we cast Eric perfectly. Like you could not have done better, but I hated Sookie. I did not like Anna Paquin as Sookie. She's not... She's not curvy. She's not bodacious. She's not Sookie Stackhouse. And so that really bothers me when I go back to him. I still have my version of Sookie in my head, but Skarsgård's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that's part of it. Like, I, I, It may be. I think more times they get it wrong yeah. than they get it right. I think there are examples of them getting it right. Uh, when I taught at Bonham, so even before I taught Hillary, which was a long time ago, <laughs> I read the first Game of Thrones book. And to be honest with you, I read it and I thought, hmm, you know, this is okay. Yeah. I'll maybe read the second one when it comes out. And when the second one came out, I bought it and I never read it. <laughs> and then they did these adaptations and, and they could not have done a better job. I mean, 
casting. They, they did a great job with every single part of that. Well, I mean, there are some tweaks here and there, like the episode that's so dark you can't see anything. But other than that. <laughs> yeah. It's like Lord of the Rings. I mean, I've always said that those movies were really, really good. And yeah, he left out some stuff. But I mean, how could you have put every single thing? I mean, they were already so long. But to blow your own glass and to, you know, weave your own tapestries and stuff like that. I mean, he really took that integrity to like a whole new level. And then he made The Hobbit. And it was absolutely a disaster. (laughs) And I was just devastated that... You took this so seriously, and then you just botched this thing over here. Like, I, I haven't know. seen The Hobbit. Don't watch it's it. It's my favorite of the books, don't do actually. It. Me too. I really, and it was horrible. Don't really, do it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> just, just watch save that yourself. cartoon version okay. that they made back in okay. the 70s. <laughs> I've seen that one lots of times. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, yeah the Hobbit was horrible. I not, could not handle mm. it. I went and saw it in theaters, and it was in. it's the one that was like 60 frames per second, so it was like... It was awful. Real disorienting, <laughs> and I, it, it was not good. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah, adaptation's tough. And I and Game of Thrones, it's interesting that you feel that they did such a great job because I tried to read the first novel, and then I would talk to my friend about it who was also reading it. She was way more into it than I was and got really into the story world, which is huge. Like, he's thought – through these characters, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to the nth degree. So then I went and watched the series, her the first th- three seasons. And by the third season, I was like, I don't even know who this person is. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how people follow this. I, I don't know if it's – and I felt like I really needed to know more from the books. So why do you think it was such a great adaptation? I just thought they did everything – Right. I think that, as with any adaptation, and this is what you're talking about, they're going to have to call some things. Mm-hmm. I thought the things that they – because I have gone back and read the second book now. I haven't read all the books because I thought the series did such a great job. I think the things they take out of the books to make the series were well thought through. I thought the characters were well developed. Uh, I mean, of course, there are always going to be some missteps, but I don't think they could have cast it any better. I think the special effects were – spectacular uh, it, i don't know i it just it's one of those unanswerable things it it's one of those things that just hit the the global consciousness at the exact right time to spark the interest of every single one and i, I if we could figure that out we would we would obviously all be millionaires because we would just follow that formula but just looking through i mean because i've got a list pulled up and i'm just looking through titles and i can i mean i sit here and i'm like oh no that movie sucked that movie sucked that movie sucked. Princess Bride was good. They did a good job there. But then, like, yeah, no. All of these are not good. Adaptation is a really hard thing. It even is. I mean, even without Twilight. I'm going to give it to Twilight again. You took a book and made a movie that was almost exactly like the book. Yes. And, and people loved it. That's and so true. good for you there. There's you know what one. I keep thinking of <laughs> just over and over. And I know this is not fantasy. It's way sci-fi. But the one I keep thinking of, we actually talked about this last time we were here. Mm-hmm. Ready Player One, which is one of the best books I have read in the last year. Yeah. And that movie... I don't know what they were thinking because it was close in name only. Yeah. I mean, really, no, it, they, the they whole changed thing everything. Is wrong. The whole thing was wrong. <sighs> yeah. I know that's way off topic. It's No, it's not. It's highly frustrating, I think. Well, it, especially because, you know, 
the theme throughout this entire podcast has been you get to know these characters, you feel like they're family, yep. and if they're not the thing that you've invented in your mind, which is the best part about reading fantasy right. is your imagination because it takes your imagination from something that could be real to not real. Then when it comes on screen and you're like, why does Hermione not have buck teeth? And poofy hair. She has poofy hair in like two yeah. movies. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 And then she became like, you know, Emma Watson being really beautiful. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. There There is that really delicate balance of choosing I, I don't know I wouldn't want that to be my job to but it's not adapt. just the characters I mean it's it's also did you create the world the right way yeah I mean the writing yeah and like when I go back like Miss Peregrine no you ruined all of that like you changed that girl's power you ruined the whole entire story when you did that like I even asked you know my daughter I'm like how are they gonna make any of the other ones Right. And she's yeah. like, what do you mean? I said, think about it. In all of the other books, it's her power that's integral to everything happening. So how are you going to keep, how are you going to make the next one? And how are you going to make the last one? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a very delicate balance. But I when think. they get it right, it's awesome. Yeah. Because yes. while I said I have not seen all of those Harry Potter movies, who could read the books now and not see? Daniel Radcliffe. Or, Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's very true. The Weasleys were well cast. Yes. That All, is for I sure. I think that whole movie, I think they did a great job casting. Yeah. I really do too. And and the way they chose to shoot it, the special effects, every single thing was awesome. I mean, when yeah. one of the times I was in London, I went, I took time out of seeing all the other historical things I could see to go and and tour the studio and see all of the sets and all of the things they used and it was one of my favorite things that I've done and it is cool well and something you would know if you'd seen all the movies I'm just saying (laughs) is that they stylistically I you know they went with different directors throughout Mm -hmm. the series but it gets darker and darker and like visually it becomes darker and darker so you they did a really good job I think on a lot of those films I'm just bitter about Half Blood Prince because I'm just that's my one of my favorites and so I yeah I had really high expectations for that so I think don't you think I think they were trying to pull in the teenage audience at that point oh like we have tons of little kids that come to see this but we need to get some teenagers in here why don't you talk a little bit more about um, Series of Unfortunate Events? Because you <laughs> did your thesis on that. Yeah. And I, I loved reading those books. I haven't read all of them. I read a lot of them. But, yeah. well, you know, what's the appeal of that? And where does that fit into, you know, it, it's fantasy to some degree. It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, and when you're talking have... about, like, lacrimose leeches and, you know, stuff like that, it has to be fantasy. I mean, and just the idea that you'd have three kids, even a baby, that are just being tossed around like that from guardian to guardian to right. guardian and there's not a lot of background check going on or anything <laughs> None like at that. all actually yes. um i just love lemony snicket lemony snicket is one of the coolest writers daniel handler is his real name and if you read any of his stuff pre woo, pre-series of abortion <laughs> events it's interesting he was real detailed and and you know borderline too graphic about certain topics but he's and that's so weird to see him go from that and then read this whole series of kids books that he wrote it's like Roald Dahl yeah yeah very much so yeah and but the thing is is that he he does this amazing thing when he writes and and if you read them you've seen it is like when he defines a word and he just does it so flawless just the flow is never broken you know I mean it builds a vocabulary for a kid when they're reading 
And then I think it is. I, I just really think it comes back to that central idea of kids in peril and, and what do they do? Like an adult's not always going to be the person that comes and saves you and that you are smart. That if you've lived even 10 years, you know things. Like, you know more things than you possibly think you do. Yeah. yeah. I, I think when I read those, you do think that. Like, where where are the adults? Like, the real ones. Right. Not, not, the, <laughs> not the horrible aunts and the, you know, Count Olaf. Olaf or, dressed yes, like yes. a woman in the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, where are the real people who say, um, this looks like maybe not a good idea. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that happens to Harry, too. Like, yes. Why is Harry the one that's fixing all the stuff? Right. I, I don't know. You're right. But obviously, no, you're there's really right. prophecies and stuff like that. But, yeah. And so. it happens again and again and again. Look at Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, she had help from these animals and the Tin Man. <laughs> but at the beginning, it was just Dorothy. And she had to figure out, what the heck do I do with myself? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I just think that that's the situation that comes up again and again and again is, you know, these kids being put in these situations where they have to figure things out. And I think that that's, that's a strong thing if you really think about it. Like, if it was the end of the world tomorrow, what would your kids do? I don't know. <laughs> would they make it? Yes. <laughs> the Giver was also a horrible adaptation. Oh, God. And oh, that's I love such Meryl a good Street. book. Yes. That's such a good book. Such a bad adaptation. I haven't read A Wrinkle in Time. When you were talking about a series of unfortunate events, being a librarian is strange in some ways because there are some books I don't have to sell to kids. Mm-hmm. I can just say, oh, here's Harry Potter. Oh, here's A Wrinkle in Time. Here's so-and-so. And they will just read it. And so uh, Andy can tell you, I get a ton of books. I get advanced re- review copies all the time. I have to decide what's the best use of my time. And so sometimes it's not reading those things that are popular. It's reading the other undiscovered gems so I can say to a kid, oh, you've got to read this book. And that yeah. Wrinkle in Time is just one of the ones I've – it's always been there where I should have read it. My son read it last year for summer reading, yeah. and obviously I was the uninvolved parent because I, like I did not read it. beat-up <laughs> classroom set, and I thought, you know what, let's give it a go one year. And I will say this. It is, it is so fantastical that there are parts of it that are really hard for a kid to imagine. Like, it's really difficult for them to think of what would that creature look like or what and, and, and she is descriptive, but maybe just not descriptive enough. Last year, I got a, the copy that's the graphic novel version of it, and I have had tons of kids read it now. And I think that that's what they needed. Hmm. They needed some sort of picture to help them out. I love A Wrinkle in Time. I think it's a brilliantly written book. And when you think of how old it is that somebody had that idea, that's pretty brilliant a literal wrinkle in time it is amazing it is an amazing (laughs) piece of literature it really really is to wrap this up i'm going to ask you an odd question so because we've talked about series you know (laughs) if you had to choose one out of any series like your favorite one that you can read of now maybe you'll choose wheel of time maybe you'll choose series of unfortunate events i'll leave it up to you but pick one and tell me why uh just to change things up, I'm not going to say a will in time, uh, at the will of time. Uh, you know, one of the things and I was actually thinking about this morning because I knew we were going to talk about this. One of my favorite series is by Terry Brooks, and uh, it's the Shauna Ross series. Uh, a couple years ago, he was in Albuquerque, and uh, this 
is the, just the best story. And so I load up every book I've got and I go to Albuquerque, but because most authors will only sign one thing, I take in one book and the line is humongous. And he is actually taking time to uh, talk to every single person. He's not just signing. And when I get up there, he asks me where I'm from, which he's been, and I say Amarillo, and he says, and you drove all this way to get a one book signed? And I said, well, this is just the one I brought inside. I actually have everyone out in my car. And he said, I'll tell you what, when the line is done, go get them. I'll sign every book for you. And because of that, I already loved the series, but because of that, it is maybe, well, I don't know. It's probably not as great as Will of Time, but I I love those. Uh, It was a shock to me to hear him read because I I grew up saying Shannara and hearing him read and call it Shannaron, I was like, oh my gosh, that's how you say that. (laughs) Uh, But just the fact that he did that, elevates that series in my eyes and he won a fan forever mm-hmm. i mean forever they recently adapted that to um it's it has its own series i haven't series. read it i mean or, i haven't watched no, it i'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. I, I started watching it this last it weekend good? i didn't know this was a book at all it's really good i like it okay so let me tell you i, I know we're wrapping things up but in <laughs> in 1977 <laughs> fantasy as a genre is pretty dead Editors are not buying fantasy. Writers are not writing fantasy. There would be some here and there, but it was considered a, just a dead end. I, I'm pretty sure it's 1977. It may be a little bit earlier than that. And he writes the first book in the series, The, Short, the Sword of Sean Ra, and it basically reinvigorates the whole fantasy genre. And so the first three were supposed to be all that it was. And he writes a series after that that is magic kingdom for sale it's it's okay but he realizes that there will never be anything that matches the sean ross series and that's why he's continued to write them and uh when you look at it from that historical standpoint that they it really is the reason we probably have harry potter today Mm -hmm. then that that further elevates the series i can't remember i I hope it's 1977 since i said that they're going to can you give a flake can you give a brief synopsis of what it is about the whole entire world there are elves there are dwarves there are men uh, and there's war in the world and what comes to happen is there's this magical group of druids that kind of watch over him and most of them have died out there's one main one alanon and he comes to this family the Elmsford family and he tells the main character you're going to have to save us and the only way you can do it is by retrieving this magical sword and the the first book is about his journey to get the magical sword. The second book, and it's been so long since I've read the second book, I'm probably going to get this wrong. The Elf Stones is the same thing kind of happens, and it's a different character in that same family that has to go get the Elf Stones. And the third one is the Wish Song, and the same thing happens. But it doesn't matter if it's the same thing. They're great. I love them. I think you might be disappointed in the series because I, I was have. listening to what you were just saying, and I'm like, mm, I don't remember I have a friend that lives in England, and she watched it, and she thought it was one of the worst things they had ever done. She was absolutely dismayed, so maybe no. Okay. (laughs) They already already talked about the Elf Stones and all that stuff in, like, the first episode. Oh, no, 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 no. So. (laughs) Man, I don't know. That's a really hard question. I mean, of course you'd go Harry Potter first, but I'm trying to take that out of the equation. (laughs) You remember the ones that we read? K 
because I read them. I didn't know you had read them. Were these the Ink and Bone series? Oh my gosh, I love those books. In fact, I've got the third one on at my house right now to read. It's the Great Library series by Rachel Kane, and they're really, really good. And I think that's another series I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to. Oh, what about Scythe? <sighs> but is that is sci-fi? That, I don't know. It may be. We're talking know. about Scythe by Neil Shusterman. If you haven't read it, go to the go, go to the store tonight. <laughs> They're brilliant. It's Scythe and Thunderhead. Um, here's here's what I will tell you about those books, and I have a great job. I love my job, and one of the benefits is uh, the library conference in Texas is the largest in the whole United States, and so when you go, you get to meet a lot of authors. Having your book signed after you've waited and waited and waited year after year after year, <laughs> year kind of loses its luster, and you don't know that you want to wait in two hour lines to get books signed. Two years ago, I waited for Schusterman to sign my copy of Scythe. And then he sent me a picture, and he was gloating about it. I was. It I mad. was. I think if I had to <laughs> recommend a fantasy book other than Harry Potter, I think I'm going to go with Children of Blood and Bone. And the reason that I think I'm going to do that, I think her last name is Adeyemi. I don't know for sure how to say it. But because I think, you know, everybody's always looking for the next Harry Potter, and I think that's what she's doing. I think she has built this world and she's taken the continent of Africa and she's created magical like zones and stuff in there. And and the premise of the book is that they have outlawed magic and certain children are still born with those abilities, but they're not fostered. Mm -hmm. And they they go and they get them because they know because they have white hair. So they know who they are. And so you have a main character that is constantly having to camouflage herself so that they don't come after her. But, you know, through some mishaps and stuff, um, she starts to learn how to use it. And it is brilliantly done. It is really, I think, the same level as J.K. Rowling creating this whole new universe that's been there the whole time, you know, behind the universe that already existed. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. So, yeah, I would say that one, Children of Blood and Bone. I haven't read the second one, so I don't know. But the first one was brilliant. I have so many I want to talk I know, about. If we're sitting right? here, I'm like, I know. oh, maybe I should have talked about this one. Go ahead. You know, I was thinking one of the great things that you see in some fantasy, and even before it became the the important thing to talk about, was that, and I know a lot of authors have females that are, are not empowered, and they are, are having to wait for the man to save them, but not all authors have done that. Twilight. And especially... <laughs> Especially in fantasy books, I think you see that. Uh, one of my very fa- – I say this about all of my series. They're all my favorites. One of my very favorite is by Raymond Feast, and it's called The Rift War, and it's about this country that is – this other race has figured out a way to come through a rift to get to their country, and they're invading them. And uh, he tells a whole series, and I don't remember how long that is. It's a great series. But he, with another woman – decided you know what after the series was so popular what if we did a story from the other side of the rift the people who are invading and the main character is a woman and it's a three book series that is absolutely one of my favorites daughter of the empire mistress of the empire and something of the empire that i can't remember right off the top of my head (laughs) (laughs) And, and the main character is a woman and it is about her growing and learning to be the leader that yeah. is needed it is it in fact while we were sitting out here waiting to get started i realized it's available in ebook format and i'm going to go buy it right when i'm getting home <laughs> <laughs> that's cool that's like a dream come true kind of situation because a lot of times i'm not into the fantastic beasts and all sorts of like companion books or whatever yeah. but 
I think that is cool that they could, you know, write this first half and then go back and be like, this would be a cool perspective. I don't know. And it was it was very cool because you've seen that whole series where uh, the planet is Midkemia and you see these people in invading Midkemia and they're they're the bad guys yeah. because I mean that's the way they're portrayed in all these stories. And then you see from their perspective why they were doing what they were doing and and the reasons. It, it, it's really good. I mean it, it's really good. Well, they did that with Divergent. Because they went back and they told it from the perspective of four. So that was kind of a neat idea. There's, you know, just to throw in just before we're done, there's also a lot of really good graphic novels that are fantasy. Scott Pilgrim is just, I mean, if you've never read Scott Pilgrim, you should read Scott Pilgrim. Like, but the idea that these, like, seven evil exes are going to exist and pop out of nowhere and beat you up, you know, but they're so good and they're brilliantly (laughs) done. I've had kids absolutely just pour through those. Then Anya's Ghost uh, is by Brosgol. That one's really good. And then I got one last year, just at the end of the year, and I read it, and my student teacher read it, and we both were like, this is brilliant. And it's called Nimona by um, Noelle Stevenson. And that one, she's, like, magical, but she has a temper. And so she's always, like, going off and, like, ruining things. And you have, like, this wizard who's trying to teach her to, like, settle down. But it's those are really good, too. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes I think kids need – the picture to go with the words to kind of help them get through it, especially if they're not big, big readers. Well, our, our most circulated books in mm-hmm. the Tascosa Library, and it actually is the same at all of the high schools here in Amarillo, are the manga, mm-hmm. not necessarily graphic novels, but the manga. And a lot of that, I really do believe, has to do with this generation of uh, instant gratification kids not just kids uh, because adults do it too but the kids have grown up that way they don't want to take the time necessarily to read a whole page of text when you can condense it into Mm -hmm. two or three boxes uh, in a a manga series and don't let anyone tell you that that kind of writing is not hard it's much harder to write that way and get the whole story across in two or three sentences than it is in a full page yeah i agree well, this is always my favorite part when you, people just go off into, <laughs> oh, what about this one? Well, I mean, I just, I feel like we can't leave out certain, yeah, yeah I mean, graphic novels are so popular right now, and I yeah. think there's a reason. I just think, I think that's maybe what a lot of us wanted growing mm-hmm. up was more of that, and we just didn't have it. Well, I mean, comic books is really <sighs> all I knew until Brilliant. I got older, but... We won't go into that, though. Okay. It's not you've the comic given, book You've day. given a lot of great recommendations that I think a lot of people <laughs> will appreciate. I already know. I'm sad that I went to Barnes & Noble right before I came here. <laughs> now, now I'm going to have to go back. So uh, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast, and we hope that you will return for future episodes. Sure. Thank of you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening, book lovers, and remember to click subscribe wherever you may be listening to this podcast. Special thanks goes to The Mag 7 for providing us with music, Cullen Lutz, and Stevie Brashears for designing us such a cool logo. See you next time.